welcome to everyone this morning, and if you're a guest with us today, we are so glad that you've joined us this morning. We welcome you. Pray that the presence of the Lord touches your life today. If you're watching us online, wherever you're watching us from, and those of you that are a part of us not able to be here today, we welcome you from wherever you are. Amen. I want to say a congratulations to Brother, yeah, to Brother Nathaniel Rue, who got his driver's license. That is awesome. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, if you're looking for Brother Herring, it's kind of like the angel when they went to the tomb. He ain't here. Last Sunday evening as service was going on and we were ministering and following the flow of the Holy Ghost, Brother Herring stopped by me at one point and said, I don't think I'm supposed to be here next week. He said, I think you're supposed to minister and preach. So he's not here. And um, I know at least my grandmother and sister Kelly Hoffman are happy about that. Praise God. So, John chapter 1, verse 1, I'm going to read several verses, and to all of you, wise folks that know these verses, I am not going where you will assume I'm going. So, these are some awesome, all scripture is important. This week at our minister's retreat for the district we are part of, the speaker, Brother Raymond Woodward, said a couple of times, there is nothing, nothing in scripture that is there by accident. God, even all of, you know, if you've ever read, was it in Numbers, right, where they go through the who begat who, who begat who. I, don't, I can't tell you I know why all that's there, but I believe if it's there, God meant it to be there. So all Scripture is important, but, but I think there are some times, there's verses and passages that uh, just maybe their significance to us is perhaps a, a, a little more than other places. And I think these verses uh, are some of those verses, and that's why I'm going to read more than I really need to, just because I think these are some wonderful verses. So John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Genesis 1 tells us, and John echoes it, evolution is not how we got here. The Big Bang Theory is not how we got here. I do believe in the Big Bang Theory, just not the one everybody else believes in. I believe when God said, let there be light, you want to talk about a Big Bang. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and I can tell you today that only in Him is life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. You and I think of the word comprehend mostly today in the context of understanding something, but really that word there means the darkness cannot overpower the light. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. 
He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, or nor which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And all of that basically to get to this verse. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Amplified says, verse 14, this way, And the word became flesh, human, incarnate, and tabernacled, fixed his tent of flesh, lived a while among us, and we actually saw his glory. And we actually saw his glory, his honor, his majesty, such glory as an only begotten son receives from his father full of grace, favor, loving kindness, and truth. I want to preach to you this morning for a little bit on this subject. When the Word becomes flesh. When the Word becomes flesh. God, thank you for your wonderful, wonderful presence that we have felt, we have experienced in this place already this morning. Thank you for how you have already ministered. You have already touched hearts and lives. I believe, God, you've already done miracles in this service this morning. Maybe it's miracles that some are aware and know you've done. Maybe it's some miracles you've done that in the next couple of days and weeks there would be a recognition of what you did this morning. God, I also know and believe you are not finished in this service yet. You desire to continue to minister. and I pray, God, that now that would be done through your word. I pray, God, that you would speak this morning. I just want to be the the conduit through which you speak, God. I don't, I don't want to preach a sermon this morning. I want to be a messenger for you. Let your word speak to somebody's heart and life today. I trust you and depend on you today. Without you, I can do nothing, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to read to you also from the Passion Translation. It's a newer translation and I like the way it says some things and it says verse 14 this way and so the living expression became a man and lived among us the footnote for that statement says or lived within us this is the fulfillment of Isaiah 7 and 14 the God with us is Jesus Christ our Emmanuel He is among us in that He is in human form. The Greek and Aramaic can be translated, He pitched His tent among us. John's wording takes us back into the book of Exodus where number one, God came down and lived in the tent or the tabernacle in the wilderness. Number two, God revealed His glory in the pillar of fire and in the cloud. Number three, God identified himself as the one and only. I am Yahweh, your God. You may have no gods other than me. And then it goes on to say, we gazed upon his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father overflowing with tender mercy and truth. I'm, I'm not, it's, it, this is the part that I'm telling you if you assume this is where I'm going, I'm not going, but I can't help but just touch on it for a second. These are some very important verses when it comes to understanding the Godhead and the deity of Jesus Christ and and this idea of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I understand that the very popular belief in Christianity today is that the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are three separate co-equal persons. The term Trinity is what is often used to divine that, but I do not believe that is actually the biblical basis of the Godhead. That the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are one. 
That is the three different ways in which God manifests himself. And so when John says the word became flesh, again, I don't mean this to sound disrespectfully or unkind, but it wasn't the second person of the Trinity now coming to this earth. It was God, the only God, robing himself in flesh and coming to this earth. Bottom line is, and I mean, there's several different points I could make, but if the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are three separate co-equal persons, the moment you refer to Jesus as the second person of the Trinity, you now have taken away the co-equal part of it. So God became flesh. You know, well, what, what if the Scripture says God sent His Son? And, and, and the problem is this, we, we are... We are this isn't the message, but I, here, here I go. <laughs> that we, 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 ha, we are affected by this filter that we've been taught, told. And so when you and I look at Scripture, we, we have this tendency, even those that profess to be apostolics, we, we have this tendency to try to understand Scripture through the filter of the Trinity. You got to understand that when when the word of God was written that wasn't the filter. So when when things that you and I look at that confuse us because of the trinity, they didn't have that confusion that time. It it's kind of like this, I think. How many of you ever heard Tim Hawkins' song Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A, I could eat there 7 times a day. Anybody ever heard that song? If you haven't heard it, your homework assignment for today is go to YouTube, look up Tim Hawkins' Chick-fil-A song, and if you are a Chick-fil-A fan, you will be very blessed. The problem is, of course, maybe you want to wait till tomorrow, because if you listen to the song and your Chick-fil-A desires are stirred up, you can do nothing about it today, which is a part of the song. The problem is this, that song is set to the melody of, I think, an old Beatles song. I think the song is Yesterday. And So here's what will happen to you. After you listen to Tim Hawkins sing Chick-fil-A, in the future, anytime you ever hear an instrumental of the song Yesterday, you will be singing Chick-fil-A. And that's really kind of the way it is when we kind of look at Scripture to try to understand, well, well, I mean, John, you know, John baptized Jesus, and there we have the Trinity. We have the Father's voice, we have the Spirit descending like a dove, and then we have Jesus. There it is. John wasn't standing there that day baptizing Jesus going, wow, here is... Again, I'm not trying to be unkind. God became flesh. If... If, if I, I don't know why I'm on this. I really had no plan to get on this. Those are the, the two guys up here on the, the keyboard and the organ this morning. If you're a guest, those are my sons. Uh, two of my four, two of my five, sorry, two of my five kids. If, 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 if I, if you, you know, if, if you had a, if you needed a kidney, you were trying to get a kidney tra- if I, transplant. If I said, listen, I want you to know, I love you and care about you so much, I'm going to get my son to give you a kidney. How moved would you be by my love and care for you? It's not going to cost me anything for him to give you a kidney. So God sits up on his throne in heaven. Never leaves heaven but sends his son because he loves us so much? No, God, the word, became flesh and dwelt among us. And now we don't have the flesh anymore, but we have the Spirit. Not the third person of the Trinity, but the Spirit of God is what you and I now experience in this place today. 
but it, but it says the word became flesh. Now I I got I don't want to bore you with definitions here, but you got to understand, and most of you already know this, but, but, but English is not the original language of Scripture. The Old Testament is, is Hebrew. The New Testament is primarily Greek. And, and, and so our English words and what they mean is not always as accurate or in-depth as what some of the Greek words or Hebrew words mean. And, and the word word in the New Testament is one of those that's very Important. The word word in the New Testament is a very important word that you should understand the meaning of that word. So that when you read the word word, you know which word you are reading about with that word. There's two, there's two basic words in the Greek for the word word. One is logos, and I'm sure my pronunciations are not really correct. But, and the other is rhema. The word rhema is, is basically means a, a fresh living voice. A, a rhema is basically like if you come to a service and a message is preached, whoever preaches it, a message is preached, but it is exactly what you need or it ministers to you where you are. That is a rhema. That is the living voice of God speaking to you. When, when, you are, when you're going through something and struggling and you open your Bible and you begin to read and a verse in the scripture just jumps off the page at you and it's exactly what you need. That's a rhema. It's the living word of God. That is the written word of God becoming alive. And so the other word for word is the word logos. Now I'm not trying to do it and I'm doing it. <laughs> and and, and, and the, the Greek word logos basically means, according to Vine Dictionary, it is a word as embodying a conception or an idea. A word as embodying a conception or idea. It's kind of. We have any uh, any artists here today, whether uh, painting or pottery or whatever else. Anybody? A couple of you. Have more than that. I don't mean like you have a studio and sell all your work, but I mean you just. <laughs> you 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 get a you get a picture in your mind. If you're an architect, I don't know if we have any architects here today, but 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 you, you you can see in your mind what it is you're going to design. That's that's logos, if you will. It, it can be also a, a, the plan, the blueprint, the pattern. And so, in the beginning, there was there was this embodying a conception or idea there was the word there was there was this idea there was this concept that god had but john now says that that word has become flesh it has now become manifested and he says we beheld his Glory, we saw His glory. The word glory, according to Thayer's Greek lexicon, is opinion, judgment, view. It is the estimate, whether good or bad, concerning someone. It is splendor, brightness, magnificence, preeminence, dignity, grace, majesty. So John says that the, 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 the thoughts, the intents, the plan of God took on a visible form and now dwelt among us. This, this God that they had believed in, this God that they had trusted in, they said now He's taken on a visible form. And, and now we see His majesty, we see His splendor, we see His glory. John says this in his first epistle in 1 John chapter 1, which is kind of amazing, some of the similarity as to the beginning of the the gospel of John. He says, 1 John 1, 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have, notice this, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, And our hands have handled of the word of life. That that which we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, our hands have handled. Anybody here ever been to to Yosemite? A couple of people. Those of you that went to Yosemite, you saw El Capitan, right? I think uh, I think Yosemite is 
since last year become one of my favorite places I've ever been. There may be something else in the future. I, I won't get into all some of the reasons why, but it's, it's, first of all, it's just a beautiful place. And there's this rock face wall mountain called El Capitan, which is for climbers. It's like one of the epitome of places to climb. But it, there's just, I mean, there's amazing beauty. I could sit here and try to describe to you what it's like to stand relatively near the base of El Capitan and look up. Number one, look up just at the the beauty of it. But then, to look up with a pair of binoculars and see people climbing. I forget, how many feet is it? Google it. It's high. And I could describe it to you. I could try to explain it. But until you have seen it, it's just not the same. Just not the same. John John was saying, everything we've been told about, everything the prophets have prophesied about, Everything that for thousands of years people just heard about, believed in, but it was just hearing. John says, we have now seen it. We have now experienced it. Verse 2, for the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also, that you also. Here's what we've seen, we've heard, we've experienced, we've felt. But this is, we, we want you also. We declared to you also that you can have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and the Son and with His Son, Jesus Christ. The the Amplified Bible says those verses this way. We are writing about the Word of life in Him who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard, whom we have seen with our own eyes, whom we have gazed upon for ourselves and have touched with our own hands. And the life and aspect of His being was revealed, made manifested, demonstrated. And we saw as eyewitnesses and are testifying to and declare to you the life, the eternal life in Him who already existed with the Father and who actually was made visible, was revealed to us His followers. What we have seen and ourselves heard, we are also telling you so that you too may realize and enjoy fellowship as partners and partakers with us. And this fellowship that we have, which is a distinguishing mark of Christians, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. John is saying, We experienced. We experienced the Word becoming flesh. We saw with our own eyes. We we experienced it with our own senses. And John is saying, now we are telling you because we want you to have the same experience. Can I tell you today that while Jesus Christ may not be here in the flesh anymore, that particular period is over with. I've come to tell you today that it is still possible and God's desire for the word to be manifested in your life that the same way in which the disciples said we saw him we touched him we experienced him he may not be here in the flesh but you and I can see the word manifested in our lives individually It's not enough for you to just believe what this book says. It's not enough for you just to respect this Bible as the basis and the foundation of Christianity. It is God's desire. Hopefully it's your desire. But it's God's desire for this Word to be made manifest in your life. 
Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. The psalmist said it this way, Oh, taste. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just take my word for it. Don't just hear my explanation of it. Don't just read the Google reviews about Him. Don't just listen to what somebody else says and take their word for it. It is God's desire for you to taste and see for yourself that He is good. Oh, taste. Spirit kind of goes back to my analogy earlier. I realize, especially if you're guest today, your first time in an apostolic church, or if you've only been here just a few times, I I realize we do some crazy things. I know we act crazy. I know it's kind of funny because everything that we do is that it's crazy. The world does it in situations that are normal, but really it was all stolen from this book. Somebody hits a three-pointer in the basketball game, and what's everybody do? Clap their hands. Shout. Jump up and down. Your team wins. You clap. You shout. You get excited. Guess what? Going all the way back to the Old Testament, the Bible says, Clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord in the dance. It's normal there, but it's weird here. He's the one that is worthy of it. I don't know if it's this getting older thing or not, but I am, I'm as competitive as anybody in the room, I promise you. If it's a game, who wins or loses matters. If you are of the philosophy that it's not who wins or loses, it's just how you play the game, God bless you. I probably shouldn't say this next part, but it won't be the last time I say something I shouldn't say. If that's your philosophy, it's probably because you weren't really a great athlete. I'm not trying to be mean. Really, I'm not trying to be mean. But man, when you're, when, and I'm not a great athlete, but I, I love sports. And I, I'm sorry, it's not about how well you played. It's about who won or lost. And I don't like losing. In fact, I hate losing. But I don't, I don't know. I've, I, I, there's something, about, I think it's aging. There is this soft side of me, not as far as the people I beat, but as far as watching, you know, March Madness. We just finished March Madness, and 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 the Kansas Jayhawks were the were the the winners of March Madness. But I got to, I felt sorry for the losers, and yet people spent hundreds of dollars. Some spent thousands of dollars for the chance to cheer on somebody that in the end lost. I mean, during the... I know some of you don't... I'm probably speaking Greek to you right now, but that's okay. A couple of you understand. A couple of weeks ago, man, St. Peter's was upsetting teams here and there, and it was exciting when they were beating teams they shouldn't beat. But the bottom line is now, who cares? Because they didn't win. You don't celebrate those that almost won. They didn't get a trophy because of a couple of upsets. And yet people scream and holler and act like idiots for human beings that may fail. I guess if you're going to think I'm crazy, if you're going to label me as being a fanatic, 
then I at least want to be labeled as crazy and a fanatic for somebody I know. He always wins. He always overcomes. He's going to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't matter what happens in the end. I know he wins. I kind of was saying all of that to get to the point. For those of you that look at us this morning, that you people are crazy. There there was a young lady in service last Sunday night, and last Sunday night it was actually, uh, it wasn't a normally, you know, order of service. But we, I mean, we weren't really all that crazy and whatever. And and, and I, I, I greeted her and introduced, and there was just like this look of, not horror, but... I I don't I can't the 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 words not that I'm looking for is not coming. I I said John I just said did did you survive? And she said something like well it, it was a little overwhelming. I, this is all I've ever known so I don't have that experience. I'm born and raised in this. But there's a bunch of people here today. You got that T-shirt. And if you're new. Or your first time, some of the people you see this morning that you're like, man, that person is crazy. There is a really, really good chance that one day they, they, they looked around their first time and said, these people are crazy. And if I ever get out of here, I'll never be back. If I ever get out of here and for whatever reason decide to come back, I promise you I will never act like those people act. Again, my earlier analogy. Right now, all you've seen is the chaos. <laughs> what looks like chaos. But there's some people that have looked beyond. There's some people that have experienced. There, there's some people that have tasted. And once you get a taste, once the Word becomes manifested in your life, That's a whole new experience. Let let, let me give you just a... And there's so many more I could. But let me just give you a couple of examples throughout Scripture of of the Word being manifested and made flesh. Daniel chapter 3, verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was anointed and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men? bound into the midst of the fire they answered and said unto thee unto the king true o king not familiar with this story basically there was a decree that said when music plays everybody's supposed to bow and worship the king but there was three young men three hebrew young men that made up their minds there's only one that we're going to worship and so when the music played they didn't bow down the the the, the punishment was you're going to get thrown into a fiery furnace they brought them before the king and they the king gave them one more chance and he actually also said turn up the fire make it seven times hot and they still responded and said we won't bow and so they throw them into the fire the fire was so hot the Bible says that those that threw them into the fire died because of the heat and so the king says I thought we threw three men we did but God became manifested because while we only threw in three He answered and said, I see four that are loose and are walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Can I tell you sometimes the place that you don't want to be in life is the place God has ordained because that's where He wants to manifest Himself to you. was in the fire. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but anybody feel like you're in a fiery furnace right now? Anybody feel like you're going through some stuff right now that you're in a fiery furnace? I've been there. 
I think actually I feel like I'm there a little bit. Going on six weeks now, I think. My wife's been in one service in the last six weeks. I, I think it was in the fire. It was in the fire. When they were standing there outside of the fire, there is no evidence that no, we know God was there, but there was no manifestation. Oh, hallelujah. There was no manifestation. When they were standing outside of the furnace, the Word had not become flesh yet. But when they got into the fire... The Word was now manifested. So those of you that are in the fire today, why don't you pause for a moment and look where you are. Look what's happening. Because while you're in the fire, you're still making it. Because the Word is being manifested in your life. about Mark chapter 5 this is the story where the man is called Legion Mark chapter 5 verse number 1 and they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes and when he was come out of the ship immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him no not with chains Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him. And the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always night and day when he was in the mountains and in the tombs. Crying and cutting himself with stones. This is not not fiction here folks. I think Hollywood has caused us to movies and TV has caused many of us to read the Bible and subconsciously we think, well, you know, it's just made up like everything. No. And if you don't believe that this can happen by somebody that's possessed of the devil, I promise you, you don't want to experience and see it. How many of you have never heard a fox scream? You've never heard a fox scream. I'm assuming that means the rest of you have heard it. The very first time we ever heard it. Oh, my goodness. My wife and I are like listening outside because it sounds like a lady who is in some kind of very bad situation. It is one of the worst screams you have ever heard. I have now become numb to that sound because the neighborhood we live in, we've got, I mean, I live with a fox. Which camera? I think she's watching. Which camera? We there there there's animal foxes. Make sure this next part's clear now. Now that I got you thinking figuratively, there are animal foxes. And it's not uncommon at night to hear them squealing, and I don't even think twice about it. Friday night, we were at Turf Valley Resort. For our uh, our district minister retreat, and one thirty in the morning, I was awakened by a scream, and my first thought was, "Man, I can't believe they got foxes around here." Asphalt parking lots all over the place, buildings, houses, not much trees, and initially, I thought, "Crazy, they got foxes." Except it took me about five seconds to realize what I first thought a fox was is actually what's going on. I don't know what was going on, but there was a lady screaming. Most of what she was saying was very muffled. The only thing I understood clearly a few times was the F word. Everything else was muffled. Kind of settled down, started back up, and then, and then finally, I, I could hear somebody yelling, threatening. I could hear this part as well, threatening to call the cops. I got to tell you, it took me a little while to go back to sleep. Can you imagine what it was like living near this man? I mean, 
His actions are bad enough, but then when you put chains and you tied him up and you bound him and he's broken that off and you can't keep clothes on him, I would imagine this guy was, to say he was off his rocker, I don't think he had a rocker to be off of. But, all those that couldn't deal with him, couldn't tame him, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. I think this is one of the places that's a good indicator. Don't tell me the devil made you do it. Because if the devil couldn't keep him with as possessed as he was, and all that other stuff he did, if the devil couldn't keep him from getting to Jesus, the devil can't make you do something contrary to what Jesus wants. Verse number 12, And all the devils... Thousands of them, the scripture tells us. All the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked into the sea. I'd like to see Farmer's Insurance do a commercial about that one. Let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> and they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. Let me show you what it looks like when the word became, becomes manifested. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were... Apparently they weren't really afraid of this man and all his craziness. They were afraid when he got in his right mind. Explain that one. But that's what the Word being manifested looks like. Can I tell somebody here this morning, and I say this right now, not just throwing it out there randomly, but I feel it and I believe it. There's some people in this place this morning that what the Word being made manifest in your life looks like is when you lay down on your bed this evening and you're ready to go to sleep, all of the tormenting thoughts that you've been dealing with for weeks and months, all of the anxiety that's been keeping you from sleeping the word being made manifest in the flesh is when you lay down your head on your pillow all of those thoughts are gone but what is now there is peace and confidence and assurance that God is in control in Jesus name let me give you another biblical example again there's so many more John chapter 11, verse number 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. And it was that, it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. I think I'm going to preach a message one day. The things that God says but doesn't tell you. Because they said, he's sick. He's in trouble. Jesus said, don't worry about what it looks like. Some of you are dealing with some circumstances you don't know. You don't know that before it ever started, God's, God's words were, it's okay. This isn't what it looks like. This isn't going to end the way you think it's going to end. Oh, I wish I had somebody to help me just a little bit this morning. He never told Mary and Martha what was going on. But he did tell the disciples. And then the interesting thing is, if you read, I'm getting ready to skip down. But if you read the whole story, when he got word of what was going on, he tells his disciples, go to the front desk. Tell the clerk at the front desk we need to add a couple of nights to our stay. What, what, what do you what do you mean? Wait a minute, Jesus. Did you not hear what was just said? Don't you mean we're checking out early, not we're staying? 
He said, no, we're going to hold on a little bit because i got to let a few things happen so that when I manifest myself, it's going to be for my glory. And when I manifest myself, there's going to be some people that may have had some doubts and some unbelief and some fear. But when I show them who I am and what I can do, it's going to change all of that. Verse number 11, or excuse me, verse number 34, and he said, where have you laid him? He finally comes, he shows up, and he's dead, and he's been dead for four days, the Bible says. And now he says, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. They're thinking he wants to know where he's laid him because he's going to come pay his respects. Some of you got some things that are already dead and buried in your life. Some of you got some things that there's a stone that's already been rolled in front of them. And you think now the only thing you're ever going to do is pay your respects to what was. But I come to tell somebody today in the Holy Ghost, God is going to manifest Himself in some areas in your life. And things that you thought were dead and gone, God is going to resurrect because He allowed it to happen for His glory. Where have you put him? Verse number 39. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks because he's been dead four days. We've already. Buried him and we're working on moving on. Why do you want to roll away the stone? Anybody got something in your life today that just stinks? It's just dead. It stinks. Don't let that cause you to think God still can't do something about it. Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. When they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always because of the people which stand by. I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when Jesus had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the one that was dead four days and was stinking came forth. The Word that was in the beginning became manifested in the flesh that day. Of course, I think one of the reasons that happened because in a few days from then there was going to be another one that was in a tomb that the stone had been put in front of. But just like Lazarus came forth, there was going to be another one that came forth. Can I tell you that this book is not supposed to be a religious textbook to read the stories of what God has done in the past. That may be part of what you can do. But can I tell you, I think one of the primary purposes of this book is that when I read from Genesis to Revelation and I see the things that God did. I see the ways in which God worked. My response is, if you did it then, you can do it now. If you did that miracle then, you can do this miracle now. If you were manifested then, you can be manifested now. Can I tell you, I don't care what you're dealing with today and how big it is. I promise you, I can find something in this book that was a bigger problem, a bigger challenge. But when the Word became flesh, what seemed like an impossibility was not because with God, all things are possible. You know why one of the re- one of the reasons why Christianity and church attendance is on the decline because people are tired of reading the textbook 
and hearing about the past and what God did and feeling and experiencing nothing. So why am I going to spend an hour and a half, two hours of a Sunday morning that I could still be in my pajamas drinking my coffee? He is the same. Yesterday. Today. And forever. Let me prove it to you. Is there anybody in this place this morning that you have a sickness or a disease, an injury that you've experienced that God has healed you? Wait a minute. You're not just here because of what he did. I got anybody here that had a diagnosed disease that God healed you from it? Anybody? A couple hands. I got two hands up by the same person in the back. Yeah. I got a question. Anybody here today, I don't mean this to embarrass you, I'm saying it as a testimony to the glory of God. Do we got anybody here that you were an alcoholic, you were bound by an addiction to alcohol, but God became manifested in your life and you're free from it now? Yeah. How about drugs? Anybody that was addicted to drugs and you thought you were going to live the rest of your life addicted and bound, but the Word was manifested. And the same God that delivered that man is the same God that delivered you. Can I tell somebody here today, God wants to be manifested in your life. I told you, I told you, most of you know this, but if you're a guest, I'm, I'm quitting, I'm quitting. My parents, my parents came to this town in 1970. My dad graduated from the Naval Academy, but my parents weren't originally from this area. My parents came to Annapolis in 1970 to start this church. This is all I've known. Many of you have had your experience with the first time in an apostolic church and thought we were crazy. And I've had my experience in a few of your churches and thought they were crazy. I, I don't mean this to be unkind. I don't mean it to be disrespectful. But, but I, I got to tell you, if you are or you were a Catholic, I don't know how you could ever look at us and think we're... I've been to some Catholic funerals. And there's some things they're doing. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And everybody sitting there that was raised Catholic like, yeah, whatever, this is the norm. So the way that was for you or whatever other religion you may come from or came from, that's how it's been for me. This is normal. But I'm not here today because my parents and their faith. Here's why I'm here. Favorite verse. Many of you heard me say this. Favorite verse in all of the Bible. Again, all scripture is important. But here's my favorite verse. Job 42, verse number 5. I've heard of you. I've heard of you. With my ear. But now. I have seen you. My own. I got a 90-something-year-old grandmother sitting back there. I've heard some of her stories. I've heard my parents' stories. I, I, I've heard my parents' story of, of, of the one, one of them that stands out to me the most. I was, I was, I think I was around six months old. I don't remember it like it was yesterday. My parents were still pretty new, church was very small finances were tight there was no food in the house no funds to get food some of you need to hear this, this, this is free this is free my dad instead of saying we gotta go someplace and figure out how we can get some food. 
how we can feed this family. My dad takes my mom and I out, no food in the house, to go out and knock doors and tell people about Jesus. I don't know how long they were out for. I don't know all the specifics. Obviously, I'm retelling something. I lived it, but I didn't know I was living it. The story is when they got back home after, I believe, several hours at least. When they got back home of being out telling people. Think about that. You're out telling people about Jesus, the the one you're doing all this for, and you don't even have food in the house. The story is they pulled up the sidewalk. I remember it because we lived there for several years, so I remember it from a little bit later. It was a sidewalk, and then there was a fence and the gate, sidewalk up to the house. And the story is that when they pulled up to the house, they noticed that the, the screen door was ajar. And as they walked up to the house, the reason the screen door was ajar is because there were bags of groceries that someone was being used so that God could manifest himself in the flesh as my dad tells the story it wasn't just bread and cheese and eggs he says there was even cookies in there you know it's God then I've heard that story many times and for years I believed that God was a provider because of what I heard I stand here today not living off of what I've heard But I've now seen with my own eyes because I now have watched God miraculously provide for my family to do things for us that there was no other way or explanation. The living, or excuse me, the message Bible says it this way. I admit I once lived by rumors of you. Maybe you're here today, or maybe the first time you came to church is because rumors about Jesus. But he says, now, now I have it all firsthand from my own eyes and ears. No, I'm not preaching to you today that the word will be manifested in the flesh by Jesus Christ stepping into this room again in a natural body. But I am here today to tell you that the same way in which John says the word became flesh, the word, if I could say it this way, became tangible, is the same way in which the word can be manifested in your life. I believe there's some people, and I, I, some of you, it's already happened for you, so maybe the message is just an explanation of what God did. But I believe there's still some people in this place today. First time, first couple of times, or maybe you come here for decades. But God is wanting to manifest Himself in your life. I would love to tell you that if you're here today and you've got pain in your body, if you've got sickness in your body, I would love to tell you that the way He's going to manifest Himself in your life is He's going to just take all of that away. Can He? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've tasted and I've experienced it. But then sometimes He decides... Not to keep you out of the fire. But to keep you in the fire. So sometimes God manifests Himself in your life in this way. You're in circumstances that ought to be absolutely terrifying you. You're going through stuff that ought to be driving you crazy. 
there is just this unexplainable peace. I don't know how. I don't know when. But I just know God is going to work it out. I just know that God is going to manifest Himself in my life. I want to, I guess, step out on a limb here for a moment. I believe there's some people here today may just be one single person, but I believe there's at least one person here today that, that you just, you're, you're kind of like Job right now, you've just heard. But before you leave this place this morning, God wants you to experience what you've heard about. See, the, the Bible says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word word there is the word rhema. And so all faith starts with hearing. It's where it has to begin. But can I tell you this morning, there is a level of faith that is much stronger than faith that has come by hearing. And that is, and that is faith that is a result of seeing. Because when I'm only believing based on what I've heard, I'm a little more susceptible to the enemy's accusations that cause doubt and unbelief. But when I've seen it, you know, we do this thing around here they call speaking in tongues. I will tell you, born and raised here, been around here all my life, and even all after all my life, 50 plus years, there are still a few times where I hear myself doing and I hear others doing. I'm thinking, ah, I mean, I got, a, I got a bachelor's degree from the University of Maryland. I don't have a degree in theology. I got a bachelor's degree. I, I, I didn't go to, you know, I didn't go to Harvard. I'm not the brightest. I'm not the sharpest knife in the do- drawer, but I'm not the dullest one either. You know what? You've come too late. The world has come too late to tell me either that speaking in tongues is not real or to tell me that it's not for us anymore. Why? Because I've gone beyond hearing. I've now experienced. And so I believe there's some of you today, God wants to take you to a place of manifesting in what may seem to be the first time, manifesting Himself in your life and showing you who He is. But there's some other people God wants to reaffirm some things to you today. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, if you would, for a moment. And and, and, and we do this different ways, different times, and to the best of my ability, the way we do it each time is the way I feel like the Lord wants us to do it. And so that's what I'm going to do this time. If you're here this morning and you've got something in your life, got something you're dealing with, you've got a problem, you've got a difficulty, you've got a sickness, you've got an addiction, whatever it may be, and you need God to be manifested in your life for what may seem like the first time or what may be the hundredth time, but you need the Word to become flesh. You need the Word to become alive in your life today. I want to invite you. It's going to take a little bit on your part, but I want to invite you to get up right now and make your way down to the front of this sanctuary. And You can kneel if you want to kneel, or you can just stand if you want to stand. Say, why why are you asking me to do that, preacher? Because, Because God doesn't just respond to our needs. God responds to our faith. I'm not saying you can't exercise faith right where you're sitting, but sometimes I I think there's a value in us having to kind of take some physical steps and get out of our comfort zone a little bit. But it's a demonstration that says, Okay, God, I believe that if I'll do my part, you will do your part. If you're a guest this morning, let me make it clear. This right now is not an invitation for you to join our church. If you want to do that, awesome. We'd love to have you. But this is way more than that. This is just about 
knowing that God wants you to be able to say like John said, I've tasted, I've handled, I've experienced for myself. Can I get some believers that will help please? I've experienced now. I'm not just going based on what somebody else is telling me. I'm, I'm not just going based on somebody else's story about God, about who God is, about what God is can do. But the Word has become flesh in my life. God has manifested Himself in my life. Say, I'm not worthy of God doing anything for me. Join the club. Say, I've been too bad of a person. I've made too many mistakes. Sorry. Every single one of us, every single one of us have failed. Every every single one of us have messed up. Every single one of us has done things we shouldn't do. That doesn't disqualify us. That's why He shed His blood. He shed His blood so that there wouldn't be anything to keep you from Him. So that there wouldn't be anything to prevent you from being able to receive from Him what you need. God, I pray right now the same way that John said you did it in the flesh. That you would do it right now. That you would manifest yourself that you would become tangible and real in our lives today, God. That you would show yourself just as alive today as you did for John, as you did for the disciples, as you did for those throughout the Gospels. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, show somebody today. Show somebody today you can help with the big things. You can take care of the big things, God. In Jesus' name.